Hello there. You are listening to yet another episode of That's Not Crazy. (laughs) You are so happy right now. Well, I feel like every time we go to start a new episode, we're like, hi, hello, hi. Yeah. (laughs) We're back again and we don't know what to say. So I'm just going to be goofy and silly about it and embrace the awkward. Yeah, I appreciate that because I (laughs) never know what to say. And I hate introducing She's myself. She's always like, as if we're like answering the phone at work, this is Irene. I'm like, no, like this sounds weird. I don't know. I sound weird. We all sound weird. So we're just going to make it weird. Yeah. Okay. Let's start with our lows and highs for the week. My low was just very anxious and having a lot of worry about a conflict I was having in my life and a conflict that I'm having with another person and just like not knowing what to do about it. And every option that I considered felt like if I do this, well, that's not going to help. I could do this, but that's not going to help. And I could do this and that's not going to help. And I just couldn't find a solution. And so my head was just like spinning out, thinking about the conflict basically all week long. And I wasn't sleeping well. And Did you have any night terrors during this time? (laughs) Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because (laughs) no, but well, I don't think so anyway. My roommate has a couple of cats and every morning they come, our bedroom doors line up to each other at the end of the hall and they come to the end of the hall and they start meowing and it's (laughs) pretty loud (laughs) and it happened at like six in the morning. I was like, oh, geez, what was that? I was like barely awake. I go on about my day. I go in the kitchen, I'm making coffee and whatever. And then she comes out, my roommate, and she's like, did you hear a scream last night? And I have been having nightmares. So my first instinct was like, oh, shit, I had a night terror. I screamed in the middle of the night and I'm so embarrassed. And like, she probably thinks I'm a weirdo. So I was like, um what time? (laughs) Like, why would that be my response? But I was like fishing for more information before I fully like embraced who I am as a person. And so um, I was like, oh no, that was a cat. But since you brought that up, I've been trying to figure out a way to tell you, but I didn't want you to think I'm a freak. She's like, no, oh my gosh, what is it? Well, I have been known to have a night terror or two where I will full on scream in a dead sleep in the middle of the night. And I have been on (laughs) the receiving end of that where we were sharing a hotel room and in the middle of the night, like in our deepest sleep, 3 a.m., I hear this terrifying scream And I wake up and I like, it's completely dark in the room. And I think that there's somebody in the doorway. I'm like, Uh, who am I going to have to fight? And like, what is happening right now? It was so scary. And she like came to the bed next to me and she's like, are you okay? And I opened my eyes and I look up and just in like the calmest, most nonchalant voice, I was like, oh, I was just screaming, huh? (laughs) She's like, yeah, what the fuck? (laughs) So scary. Uh, I'm fine. Sorry. I'm sure that was really scary. I just like had a really bad nightmare and was screaming in the dream and the scream was actually out loud. I mean, I've had some pretty bad nightmares before, but screaming <laughs> bloody murder. <laughs> Literally 
bloody oh murder scream. But that's not crazy. No, it's, it's not. not crazy. It happens. It happens. And it sucks. And it sucks. And it is scary. And it's scary for me when it happens because I'm like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, it's weird that your body can be like your reactions can be so outside of yourself because I wasn't even conscious when this happens. But anyway, so my first thought when she said that was like, oh, shit, she heard me screaming. I'm so embarrassed. It turns out it was just the cat. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was your high. <laughs> <laughs> um, my high, I've been, I had this project for school where they want you to address a health behavior that you need to change or you want mm-hmm. to change for yourself. You set a three-week goal to change the behavior and you have to set realistic, measurable expectations And like goals to achieve this thing or to change the behavior. So mine was I'm like, I need to implement a regular exercise plan. So my goal is to walk outside for 30 minutes every day for three weeks. Hmm. So I've been going out to the beach and walking or sometimes around my neighborhood. This one day I went out to the beach and I just like, I set my timer on my watch and I'll walk out for 15 minutes and then I know it'll take me 15 minutes to get back and that'll be 30 but I brought a little beach towel with me and I walked my 15 minutes and paused my timer and just sat and watched the sun go down and did a little bit of meditation manifesting just like soaking it in and like being present and kind of reminding myself of all the good things that are happening and the stresses for the most part a lot of the stresses that I'm having are good stresses Mm -hmm. like things are changing and moving and I'm growing and learning and it's really exciting and also very overwhelming. And so I just took a moment to be like, there were times, especially all through quarantine, I was living in Kansas. I couldn't just go to the beach and sit and do nothing. And so I'm really trying to like embrace that right now. Um, I think so often we take it for granted and we talk about this all the time. It's like, oh, I don't want to get sandy. I don't want to get my feet wet or Mm -hmm. I don't want to whatever. And it's like, I want to get over that and get my feet wet and get sandy and sit there and enjoy it because not everybody gets to do that. And it's right here. And I love it so much. I always feel so much better after I do it. So So how did that make you feel? It made (laughs) me feel grounded and relaxed and happy nice and hopeful Ooh, i like that hopeful yeah cool thanks for sharing that mm-hmm. my lows and highs um my lows this week have been feeling helpless not hopeful so hopeless in some situations i think exhausted so there are a few situations within my family right now that feel like fires, like there's emergency, crisis, fires. And my initial reaction is I need to fix this all right now. Let's fix it all. And how do we make this all better and get through this fast? And what's the quickest way to do that? And that's not my place. And I'm learning to not respond in that way of like, I need to fix everybody else's problem and I need to feel responsible for those things. And although I've done a lot of work on myself over the years, I have, I, that's still my natural instinct and reaction. Mm -hmm. And 
I have to pause and really think about like, okay, this is this person's choice and there's nothing I can do about that. I can offer an ear. I can tell them I love them. One of these people, I, every time I get off the phone with them, I'm like, that could have been my last conversation with them. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a hard balance between saying, what the F are you doing? And also, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm having a really hard time with that. And it's stressful. That's just been making me feel very helpless. My high of the week was I went back to my hometown, Tulare, California. <laughs> <laughs> Got to just hang out with my sister for a little bit and just spend time there. Uh, we don't, I don't go there very often. I don't, I think my daughter's maybe been to Tulare once. I don't like Tulare very much. <laughs> so, um, why? Our audience isn't ready for that yet. <laughs> but it was really, it was just so nice to be able to just hang out with my sister and um, Layla get to see that part of my family and really get to enjoy that. So that made me feel just appreciative. I mm -hmm. totally appreciate my family, even with all the things going on. I just appreciate them and love them so much. And it's nice that Layla got to hang out with them and I got to hang out with them and we went swimming and just had a good weekend. So cool. that was my lows and highs. Right on. Well, we're going to get into today's episode. We have our very first guest. We're very excited about it. Uh, we interviewed Dr. Joy Peterson of the Clarity Collective. And Dr. Joy is the Dean of Students at Cal Poly University here in San Luis Obispo. And she's also an Enneagram coach. And she sheds light on some of the mental health issues going on in the college sector and how she uses the Enneagram at work and how she shares it with other people so that people can use it for a tool for their own mental health. And um, she talks about being an Enneagram five and what that looks like. Yeah, she just has a lot of really good things to say. It was great listening. I had my pen and paper out while she was talking and um, just jotting notes down just about her Enneagram journey and um, becoming the Dean of Students and, and all of that entails. We talk a little bit about diversity at the end of the episode and what she's doing as the Dean of Students. So without further ado, here's the episode. Hi, Joy. Welcome. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. You're our first guest, so this is very exciting for us, too. <laughs> well, kind of give us a little, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are and what you do. Okay, well, um, I'm Dr. Joy Peterson, she, her, hers, and my full-time job is working at Cal Poly as the Dean of Students, but a couple of years ago, I was introduced to the Enneagram, and I had been doing some coaching and consulting on the side um, through my business, Clarity Collective. And I fell in love with the Enneagram, um, knew that it was something I needed to have in my life, to learn more about, to share with others, and um, went on to get certified with Jerome Wagner, Jerry Wagner. And then I just sort of started talking to people about it. I didn't really have a plan to 
become any sort of a coach or an instructor, but I just followed sort of my heart and the direction that I felt guided in, um, pursued things that I was interested in. I started posting content about the Enneagram on my Instagram account. And when the pandemic happened, I found a really great community online um, through Instagram primarily uh, that was sharing content, um, asking questions, and a lot of books were published last year on the Enneagram. And I started reading them and posting book reviews. And I guess one thing just sort of led to another. And I ended up rebranding my Instagram account to uh, Enneagram Clarity and um, building a more intentional community around the Enneagram. And since then, I've met some amazing people, um, people who are sort of just um, being introduced to the Enneagram, as well as people who have written books about it. And I just love hearing their stories, hearing how the Enneagram has changed their lives, their relationships, um, learning new ways to apply the, the wisdom, the knowledge of the Enneagram to different aspects of life, whether it's work or personal growth or personal relationships or parenting. Um, it's just all really interesting to me. And I've always been interested in psychology and personality tests, um, but nothing has ever spoken to me in the same way that the Enneagram does. Yeah, thank you. I feel the same way about the Enneagram for sure. Can you tell our listeners first um, what the Enneagram is? Yeah, so some people say it's a personality test. Um, a lot of us, I think, feel that it's more than that. Um, but at the very basic, it's um, a, a type of personality test that uh, has nine different types. Um, so if anyone's familiar with Myers-Briggs, which has 16 types. Um, that's something that I think a lot of folks have heard of, but for me, that really seemed like too many, too many combinations, a lot to remember. At my university, we have in the past used StrengthsQuest, which has 30 different strengths, and that's to me also a lot. Um, and I've also used work traits and true colors, and both of those have four different traits. And so for me, the Enneagram, I say it's like Goldilocks porridge with nine types. It just feels, um, it feels just right. Uh, there's enough variety that I feel it really captures the distinct different personalities of people, yet it's simplistic enough that it's easy to remember. Um, the other thing I love about the Enneagram is that there's a lot of layers to it. So besides just being nine different personality types, there's also um, the centers of intelligence, there's the harmonic triads, there's the stances. And so there's these um, groups of types that can help you understand other aspects of your personality. Um, and you can really go a lot deeper than just the nine types if you really want to. Um, and I think it's more than a personality test or assessment because um, at the end of the day, the goal is to integrate the nine types into a more holistic experience that allows us to access the strengths and gifts of all the types and ultimately brings us closer to our true purpose, um, our, our gifts that we can give the world. 
Do you find that you use this quite a bit at your job at the university or is it is it being used with the students? I use it every day. Teams that work together on a daily basis to help them identify their uh, strengths and areas for growth. I do a lot of work uh, with teams on the harmonic groups. So looking at um, the different types that are on a team and trying to help them understand what it might feel like for the different members of the team based on the composition of the types and also the stances. So I've done it with teams and I don't always do it with students. Um, it's not something that we've adopted as a university, but I'm always happy to talk to students as um, helping them have another tool in their tool kit or their tool belt. And I, like I said, I use it every day in my own personal growth and development, as well as in my relationships um, with my family, with my coworkers and with new people that I meet. Yeah, I if we've used it already with our own teamwork here, just the two of us. I'm a counterphobic six and Irene here is a two. And so as you can imagine, we have two different approaches to everything. Yeah. So it's been really nice for us when we have to have a conversation about something. Um, which typically comes from me, like, okay, I'm feeling unsure or insecure about something, to have the language to approach her in a way that we both understand and in a way that we're both open to receiving so that we can problem solve without hurting each other's feelings or being mean or aggressive, I guess. Um, so yeah, I love it for teamwork and, and communication. We, we use it for communication, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think it helps us not take things as personally. Yeah. Yes. Um, it gives us language to talk to each other more objectively. And um, it also helps us understand how other people are trying to get their needs met. And I think that's so much of our communication is we're all trying to get our needs met Jerome Wagner talks about pulling the same lever. We're just used to pulling that lever to get our needs met. And sometimes it doesn't work in our favor. And so understanding that other people have different levers and when we need to pull one lever or another, I think is so valuable. Yeah, I love that analogy. Yeah. What do you wish you would have known about the Enneagram or how do you think the Enneagram would have helped you while you were a college student? Oh, gosh, if I had so much insight into myself back then. <laughs> right. I know. Yeah, I think it would have helped me be a lot more compassionate with myself. One of the one of the greatest experiences I've had with the Enneagram is just forgiving myself for all the expectations that I've piled on and recognizing you know what what i need and why i need it and allowing myself permission to just be who i am and i think when i was younger i felt i needed to be more charismatic or i needed to have more energy or i needed to be more helpful and yes those things are all important at different times in life you know i i'm not advocating to like get stuck in our number but just understanding why those things were hard for me. Um, I'm a five. So I think now that I understand more how I like to operate in the world, what feels good for me, what 
what glasses I like to wear, what coat I like to have on. I can just be a little bit more compassionate and, you know, I still strive to be more helpful and more charismatic and more enthusiastic. But when I don't feel like it, I don't have to then beat myself up for not being that way. Yeah. As the Dean of Students at this major university, what are you seeing students struggle with with right now? In COVID? Mm Mm-hmm. It's been really hard for young people not having social interaction, not having social outlets. This is such a formative time for them to build friendships and relationships that I think that's been really tough. It's also been tough in the virtual learning environment not to have um, as much structure and places where they have to show up. So it's kind of easy to stay in bed and miss class or not get up, especially classes that have transitioned from synchronous, like meeting at the same time in person to asynchronous, where you just sort of turn in your work at the end of the quarter. Um, Not having those sort of like mini deadlines or places that you have to be at a certain time has sort of dysregulated a lot of young people. And it's been challenging. I think I've met a lot, I've talked to a lot of students who don't want to get out of bed, haven't gotten out of bed, or they get out of bed and then they go back to bed because there's just not a lot to keep them engaged. And for some students who are going to school and they're like, they're doing virtual learning, online learning, and they're in their apartment or for the past year, I think people are getting out more now, but Mm -hmm. in the beginning, people were staying in their apartments or their rooms for days. Like they would eat there, sleep there, study there, play video games, and just that lack of um, getting out and getting fresh air and interacting with people. And I think really has taken a toll on on our younger generation. And I think about when I was that age, some of the most fun I've had in my whole life was that college age experience of going out and meeting people and going to events and, you know, all the different types of socializing you do and people that you're meeting outside of your, the circle that you developed from, you know, kindergarten through high school, or maybe around your hometown friends your circle can only expand so much when you're just always around the same people. So when you move out of town or you go to a big university where there's thousands of people that you can connect with, it's just so fun and exciting to get out there and do those things. And so not being able to do that, I'm sure is really hard. I have a lot of empathy and just, I I feel for them. That's so, yeah, that's hard. This is hard. This is a hard time for everybody. And I just, I feel so bad for college students right now. Thankfully, things are starting to become a little normal again. They are. People are coming, yeah, slowly but surely noticing a big difference downtown. So cool thing is we live in the same town as Joy. Yeah, I love that. that. It was so um, fun when when I figured that out, when we figured that out. Yeah. So tell us about how you figured that out. So I started just getting more involved into the Enneagram community and I found her on Instagram and she was doing a live 
Enneagram coaching session and had people on Instagram sign up for it. And I signed up for it and had no idea she lived in this town. Didn't know she was the Dean of Students of Cal Poly University. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, we did our 30 minutes and she sent me a link to her website and I checked out her website and I was like, I know that mountain. That's Bishop's Peak. (laughs) So I messaged her. I emailed her. I was like, we live in the same town. That is so wild. Of all the people you could meet on the Enneagram. So wild. So wild. So we've been connecting since then. And that's kind of how we've got connected and met and continued this conversation about Enneagram and mental health. And she's also she's also board of directors of transitional mental health which yeah transitions mental health has a special place in my heart because i worked there um right out of right out of my undergrad degree and um it was like one of my first jobs in san luis obispo after i graduated from college and i had a great experience and the executive director who hired me is still the executive director today. It's been like 20 years since I worked there. Um, but we reconnected recently, um, probably about a year and a half ago, and we were talking about the board and she was looking for new members. And so I just jumped on the opportunity to pe- be part of the board because I so strongly believe in their mission, the quality of the services that they provide. Yeah, it's a great agency. Yeah, can you tell our listeners a little bit about this program that they have? Yeah, what types of services do they provide? They have a lot of services. So I could probably take, it would probably take an hour to to share them all. But um, one of the more popular ones that folks know about is Growing Grounds Farm. Um, So people know Growing Grounds because it is one of their um, like enterprise projects. Um, But they also do a lot of supportive housing. They have a uh, group home in San Luis for youth. Um, They used to have a foster youth program, which was the the program I was involved in. They have a beautiful housing program at Bishop Street. I don't know if you've heard of Bishop Street Studios, but that's the um, previous boys home above the um, Slow High School that was renovated to provide housing um, for their clients. And it, it was a big collaborative project that just turned out really beautifully. Uh, And they have several other housing programs in the community. Uh, They also have a homeless outreach program. So they go out into the community and encourage um, folks who are experiencing homelessness to get connected with their services. Uh, They have a a counselor who goes out with the um, city of Slow police officers to do outreach and they also have a program in the jail and um, connecting inmates with their services prior to um, prior to their release. So it's a, it's a lot of different programs, but all sort of around mental health. Um, and they also have programs in Northern Santa Barbara County. And they have program, they have day programs. They have a really beautiful um, day center across from the city parks and rec office. Um, and also in North County, um, and they have programs for families and supporters as well. Yes, wow. they do everything. They're yeah, they do yeah. a lot, a yes. lot. <laughs> yeah. So is that for people of all ages or? Their clients are all ages, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and we work with the their homeless outreach team quite a bit with um, in the mental health hospital, we get a lot of homeless population and they're the first people we call to come out and, and they will help them 
get whatever they need, rides to wherever they need to go, um, if it's two appointments, and backpacks, shoes, hygiene, all of the things that they may, may need. So yeah. Yeah. it's a great support for our homeless community. Mm-hmm. Love it. I'm glad you shared that because I feel like a lot of times people think there's nothing available or we don't have any resources. And a lot of times there are in quite a few resources, but maybe we just don't know about them. We actually have a lot of resources for our homeless um, community, including uh, Maxine Lewis and um, Prado Day Center. And yeah, so it's, yeah. It, there are a lot of services available. Um, what about for college students? Do, does the university offer any kind of specific resources for them or services if they're struggling with their mental health? We do. We have uh, emergency grants that are available to students who have unexpected emergency expenses. We also have an emergency housing program for students who are at risk or are experiencing homelessness. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. How about like on campus or even via Zoom, like counselors, somebody to talk to if they're struggling? Is there anything like that? El Poly has counseling services available. So we have um, licensed clinical therapists who um, meet with students for individual or group therapy. Do they sign up for that online or how do they get in touch with someone if they are interested in that? So during COVID, it has been telehealth. Um, they still call and make an appointment through our um, traditional like appointment um, process, but uh, the appointments themselves have been virtual. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that's good information to have about our community and about Cal Poly itself. And I think most universities have this. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. Um, counseling services is a pretty standard program offered by most um, college campuses and community colleges. Mm-hmm. I know you're doing something really cool with the uh, with Cal Poly right now um, regarding diversity. Can you discuss that a little bit and talk a little bit about that? Why that why you're passionate about that and what it is that you're you're starting to um, see within that community? Yeah, so I've been at Cal Poly for 17 years and um, diversity has always been a priority for our campus. Um, We have some really amazing centers that um, offer programs for students with marginalized identities to help build community. Um, We have an office of diversity and um, inclusion and we also have and focuses on professional development of faculty and staff around diversity. So there's a lot going on and there has been for the the past several years. Um, That has uh, has inspired me like going through the process of Cal Poly having um, various campus climate surveys and consultants come in and developing strategic plans um, centered around diversity um, really inspired me to reach out to some of our local organizations this past year and um, offer some consulting and um, strategic planning services. I think organizations are in a unique position um, because it's very difficult to change an entire culture like the culture of you know the United States or California or even San Luis Obispo. 
but organizations are small enough that they can change their organizational culture. And I think that has a big impact on the people who work there and the clients that they serve. And so I've been working with transitions um, for one on developing um, recommendations, a strategic plan, um, looking at their uh, policies, practices and procedures to assess how inclusive they are, how um, diverse their staff is, and especially at different levels of the leadership. So I'm really passionate. So you're asking, what am I really passionate about? I'm really passionate about helping organizations improve their diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts, um, because I believe that these little shifts in our um, our local organizations will then ripple into a community-wide culture change. Yeah. Love that. That's yeah. awesome. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that so important to you? Oh gosh. Um, I mean, beyond the fact that it's the right thing to do, um, I have lived experience in this community as someone who's biracial. Um, I've been on my own um, cultural identity development journey, you know, going from someone who grew up in a predominantly white school institution community and then moving away and recognizing my own socialization, both in my nuclear family, family and in my community and how that has impacted my own biases that I hold, um, my own you know, racist ideas and, and racism um, and confronting that and then trying to recognize how do I come back to the community that I was raised in and make changes so that we can all be better and do better. So I think, you know, from a, a social racial justice perspective, I'm, I'm motivated to improve in the, our community. I also think, you know, from a business standpoint, um, we all benefit from diversity and um, new and different ways of thinking. There are um, entire markets that are untapped because we're not seeing the potential in, um, in different demographic groups. So I think it makes sense, you know, in terms of innovation and, and um, best practices, where do we get the best ideas? Um, so from that perspective, I, I also think it's really important, but I think more than anything, we have a lot of ignorance in this country about our own history and the contributions of all the all groups, and we have a lot to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you can recognize, we can recognize that we have a lot to learn, but still start start affecting change, start with what you had, learn as you go. You don't have to have all the answers to be able to make change. Thank you for saying that. I think some folks are so fixated on learning more. And even as a five, sometimes I think, oh, I need to learn more. I'm not qualified yet. I'm not competent yet. I'm not ready. Um, and that really holds us back. And so there's, I think, a lot of people uh, in the past year who have said, you know, I need to learn more. And that's great. Um, and what you said, we also need to start acting now. Yeah. 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 I can relate to that with my five wing. It's like, I don't want to say anything at all until I've like got this whole synopsis together and this whole, <laughs> yeah. you know, like um, plan or 
I don't know, research to back what I say. And so sometimes I can hold myself back because I'm afraid of saying something wrong or making mistakes, but we're going to get it wrong. Sometimes we're going to make mistakes and we have to be vulnerable and open to doing that if we want to make any progress. Yeah, so true. It's so true. And as fives, you know, fives are so afraid of looking foolish. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that we want to avoid more than anything is looking incompetent or foolish. And so it is really hard for the fives to step out. Um, But we're all going to make mistakes. And I think the more important thing is how we recover from them. Um, Are we, you know, humble and curious and willing to change and I always tell people, please give me feedback. I want the feedback because otherwise I won't know how to be better. So, Right. Yeah. So is there anything else, any other questions you have for Joy? Dr. No, Joy? I think we covered a lot of good ground. Thank you yeah, so much for inviting you. me. I hope that you all are do so well in this endeavor. And um, I look forward to seeing your successes and following you and keeping in touch. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you for being on. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day. You too. Okay. Bye. (laughs)